The countdown to the Euros begins. Southgate invites a few more to the party and Brighton are better than Real Madrid. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Wednesday the 26th of May. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Andy Brassel. Welcome along, ladies and gents. Jim, Andy and Jules here with you for this Wednesday football ramble. The season's over, boys. Bit of a relief. It's over now. Longest season ever. It was like... it was the shortest season ever and also the longest season ever I at the same that it time, wasn't it? Was yeah, I know, right? It's worrying, isn't it? Because I feel like they're just going to condense more and more and more football in and we won't notice while yeah. that happens. It's just only be... like 80 days until next season begins. Yeah, I mean, going forward, obviously, I don't think anyone really wants to repeat this experience from either a, a fan's, player's, or, or media perspective. But having said that, don't you think we should have more Thursday afternoon football? <laughs> there is a space. It is the pre end, isn't it? A pre-kender, I like it. <laughs> football pre-kender. Well, hey. you, you know how when you're at school, everyone does nothing after lunch on Wednesday because you play sport. Like if wait, we had a designated. It's been a long time. Yeah, since I, I can't, remember, I can't so remember. remember. You've got children. You know what it's like at school. Oh no, 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 they're they're not at that point yet. Are they but not? obviously, I just had more glorious victories on Wednesday <laughs> afternoons than than anyone else. I, I think that would be really nice if we like wrote a weekday afternoon off across Europe for because of the time difference it wouldn't really work over the world for just you know football Europa Conference League <laughs> that's already in there so we'll, we'll make a new one <laughs> you've spotted an opportunity there, you there haven't you well look as soon as the season ends as it's a tournament summer it means that we are counting down to the Euros and just a couple of days after the Premier League season ends we get this new squad announcement for England from Gareth Southgate yesterday where he has added in a few more players a 33 man squad which in the next week he has to go back down to the 26 which was already extended from 23 I feel like they keep extending it yeah before you know it will be on 50 players and everyone will get in he's trying to sneak everyone (laughs) in it's a chance for you Jim yeah that'd be good it would actually be a nightmare I'd let everyone down and they'd all hate me But yeah, this squad announcement yesterday. So 33 um, players have made Gareth Southgate Southgate? Southgate's squad uh, for this week. And then I think he's got to narrow it down by June the 1st, which is next week, Tuesday, for the actual 26 that will go to the Euros with England. Um, How much can these extra players (laughs) prove themselves to Gareth Southgate in a week? I don't think they can. I think it's covering himself for every eventuality. And I can understand why people think it's some sort of needless, weird psychodrama with no sort of certainty. But I kind of understand where he's coming from because obviously after this season, the head count is probably more complicated than ever before. Plus you've got English teams in, well, three English teams in the two finals over the next couple of days almost leading up to the point where they have to announce the final squad on Tuesday. So isn't it better? Well, I'm I'm interested to know what you think. Is it better to think I'm a member of the squad rather than I'm a reserve and I've just been called up because someone else has been dropped out? Because I think there are question marks over enough of those players and not just the ones that are playing in the finals that it is quite possible that some ones he would normally pick will get chopped. Uh, Yeah, I think that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, you know, because you you don't want to feel like you're there as it's like a temp almost. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's like if you were filling in for somebody else because they dropped out. And also, I think you're right to point out just how many question marks there are. I mean, obviously Harry Maguire 
Uh, is a bit of a doubt. Southgate said he doesn't know if he'll be available in three days or three months. Obviously, he's still being assessed and they're still <laughs> waiting to see what, what, what the details of his injury are. You've got someone like Jordan Henderson, who's barely played. Um, heard earlier that he's not, not played since February um, and hasn't played in midfield since December. Yeah, so crazy. you've got that to consider that as well. Crazy. This kind of goes back to Jules' point, doesn't it? You know, if, if Gareth Southgate needs to have a look at someone, that someone is probably Jordan Henderson, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think this... It's just more so than ever. There is so there are so many little injuries and little kind of issues that, that aren't quite resolved. That I think it it just makes sense to have a look at these these players. And I feel that like players like Ben Godfrey and Ben White are probably being effectively shown around the place, like for the future. <laughs> like while while he's got an opportunity to to take a quite high intensity camp with a lot of pressure on it, going into something tangible and very very real. It's the platinum Walcott package. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So I think, yeah, I mean, he's it, it, faced a little bit of criticism for this, isn't he? but I think it, it makes sense. You know when you um, go on holiday, which I'm dreaming of right now. I just and, about uh, remember that, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they take you up to the room and they go, if you're in a fancy hotel, but then the, the person that carries the suitcases goes... This is the TV. This is how it works. Yes. This is um, these are the sliding doors going out to the balcony. This is how you open them. This is the toilet. Thank yeah. Thanks for pointing that out, mate. Yeah. Thank you. Do you reckon that's what that's what Southgate's doing with? Ben are you White? saying he's trying to get a tip? <laughs> Might be. <laughs> uh, but this is the thing: is um, as you say, Jim. There's been a few players that have been called up for the first time, and this is so exciting for them. You know, yeah. we, let, let's start off in defence then, and, and work our way through the team. Ben White. From Brighton, called up for the first time. Ben Godfrey also called up for the first time, along with Aaron Ramsdale. Nick Pope, unfortunately, has been ruled out yeah. this summer with a shoulder injury. But in goal, we'd probably assume that Jordan Pickford is still going to be the first choice yeah. for England. Um, but Aaron Ramsdale getting his first call-up is still a really exciting time for him as a player. In terms of the defenders, though, I, I personally think that his reasoning for... Um, calling Ben White up to the squad is more of a future thing. He was asked in his press conference yesterday, why did you go for Ben White over Lewis Dunk in terms of Brighton defenders? Because Lewis Dunk has been called up already for England and his answer was he's younger. Yeah. Now that says to me that there are a few players that he's probably picked for this 33-man squad, as we've already said, looking out for players that might be injured that he needs to replace with. But I think also looking ahead to the future because we're only a year and a half away from the World Cup and this squad could look quite different come the World Cup in, in a year and a half's time. So I think that, that there's a little bit of kind of future planning in there as well. But also I think Gareth Southgate, from what I've heard him say in his press conferences, likes a bit of flexibility in the team. Mm. He's mentioned that already with Trent Alexander-Arnold, the fact that he could even play in midfield as well as uh, at right back where we've got loads of good options. And I think with Ben White, what we've seen this season at Brighton is that he's has the ability to play in defence, but also as a central midfielder too. And I reckon that he's maybe looking at him, not necessarily for the Euros, but possibly for the future and just kind of bedding him into the squad, as you pointed out. Yeah, 100%. Which is um, encouraging, isn't it? Because, I mean, after any sort of international tournament, you always wonder, even if it goes well, if the manager's going to stick around. But I guess because these two are so close together, we, are, we probably are going to have Southgate for that entire time. Yeah, I hope um, so. And I mean, this has worked really well for him, isn't it? I mean, it, the, the squad now compared to the squad from the 2018 World Cup is so different. There's been so much churn mm. and it, it, all in a positive direction. There's a lot of really technically gifted players there that are a lot more exciting than that squad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th this is just another part of that process, isn't it? But I mean, I think the main thing I find unusual about about that, 
where he spoke about the versatility of some of these players, particularly the right backs. He did talk about how he sees Trent Alexander-Arnold as being able to play in midfield. And I think like that's just deflection though, isn't it? Because imagine if he starts the first game of the tournament and Trent Alexander-Arnold <laughs> is playing in the middle. Um, we, we all know <laughs> he could do a job there. We all know he'd be, be, yeah. be good there and would probably be brilliant there if he actually played there often, but he doesn't. Yeah. So it's like, you're just saying that to deflect away from this issue. I mean, like it's been the thing that's made a lot of headlines. People were worried that Alexander-Arnold wouldn't even make the, the, the 33-man squad. But like... You know, we were talking earlier in the season about how his form had dipped a bit and maybe he was, that was a little bit of a concern. He's come roaring back into his best form. And I mean, for me, he has a sort of delivery that David Beckham had. And we've yeah. not had a player that can put a ball into, into the box in that way since Beckham. And that is such a valuable asset that whatever the issue is that, that, that is, is making this what seems like a no-brainer of a pick so complicated, I think needs to be put aside for that... Um, for that reason, especially when you've got someone like Harry Kane who can like score with his ass or his or his, his <laughs> ankle when he's facing the wrong way or whatever, someone who can like put away those half chances. That's that's the thing. I agree with you in that I think Trent Alexander Arnold's quality should put him past the form argument. Mm-hmm. You know, if if he's had a little dip in the season, I agree. I, to to me, it was unusual him being left out of the squad yeah. just because he's had a dip in form because he's he's, he's good enough that he should be able to. Ride that out, or England should be able to let him ride that out. Having said that, if we're talking about form, it's really, really hard to argue against Trippier and James. Mm. James has got that that versatility. Um, He's he's got that intelligence. He's got that power as well. That physical power that's part of the physical power that Chelsea have. Yeah. If you look at Trippier, his season has been so good, and it's been something that has been talked about quite a lot in Spain as they've analysed the. Atletico title win over the last couple of days and the 10 game bit where he missed in the middle of the season basically he created a title race because if he plays those 10 <laughs> games it's not going down to the last game of the season they yeah. really missed him and he was so vital the fact that he's played um, right back right wing back he's really developed since he's been over there and you know we've seen this with you know people in their initial squads leaving Sancho out and, and, and yeah. stuff that it is quite easy to be out of sight out of mind but there has been a kind of social media reaction to people sort of, I guess, underestimating Trippier, yeah. really, hasn't, hasn't there? Absolutely. I mean, and Southgate even made the point, that he, again, he, so that he can play at left-back, which we have seen him do. Mm. Um, I'd rather he didn't. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's starting to worry me now, Gareth. I think it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a Rubik's Cube, isn't it? There's always going to be, there's, there's so many good players available in the squad and just outside of the squad that unless England win the Euros, there's always going to be, oh, this should have happened or that should have happened yeah. or we should have picked him, we should have played him there. Yeah, it's, not, it's, <laughs> it's tricky, isn't it? But then you think that if he doesn't, say, for example, he doesn't include Trippier in the 26 squad, you've got a title winner yeah. that you're leaving out. If you then, th- th- you'll have Chelsea fans that have watched more of Reese James this season than Liverpool fans have watched of Trent Alexander-Arnold going, how can you pick Trent yeah. And it, over East James. He could yet be a Champions you know League mean? winner as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, I think it's between James and Alexander-Arnold. I'm not saying that should be the choice, but that is yeah, the choice. I think I, I, I think. Mm. It's very interesting and um, it'll be intriguing to see who he ends up going for and we've only got to wait a week to find out. In terms of um, midfield options, we've already mentioned Jordan Henderson, who is back in the squad, but as you mentioned, he hasn't played for so long, Jim, that it'll... I mean... 
you can imagine that he will pick him anyway because yeah. he's been England captain before, Liverpool captain, etc., etc. I think when we go a little bit further up the pitch in terms of attacking midfield players, that's where it gets a bit more interesting. So Jude Bellingham and James Ward-Prowse have both made it into the squad. They were perhaps two of the doubts coming into this. Um, and we will come on to the forwards in a bit, Andy, but just first on on Jude Bellingham and his season at Dortmund. He fully deserves, from what I've seen, to be in the England squad. 100% has to get picked. I mean, I think there's... I've, I've spoken to Marcus about this, and I know he's spoken about it on Lions Watch. Um, there, there's an argument that he starts, I think. He's been so good. Wow. Just, uh, as I said on the Patreon live stream with um, Marcus and Kate, where we talked about it last night, um, you, you've got to put the age out of the picture. It's just as relevant for him as it was for Wayne Rooney back in the day, even if they're two very different sorts of players. Because he doesn't play like a. Is he exactly yeah. seventeen? He's so strong. He's so physically developed. He's so mature in his decisions. He can. There is not another midfield player like him mm-hmm. in the squad because he can sit because he can go box to box. Um, because he doesn't need to be asked to get stuck in. There's nothing tentative about him. And he's been Dortmund's best midfielder this season. And bearing in mind that he's adapted from, you know, a struggling championship club to playing for a Champions League level club. And all the players who you could have reasonably expected to, like, hold his hand while he gets used to the Bundesliga, be it um, Axel Witzel, who's missed a lot of the season, even though he's in the Belgian squad, be it Thomas Delaney, who's been in and out of form. Not only has he not had those next to him for a lot of the season, he hasn't needed them. Mm. I I mean, you know, his performances speak for themselves. Yeah. I I know it's easy to get really excited about this England squad. I'm going to be boring here, I'm sorry. It's it's, (laughs) it's really easy to get excited about this England squad and go, just fling them all in. Grealish, Foden. I know you want to to do that, Jim. You're you're, you're popping on the the studio England waistcoat, aren't you? (laughs) And and, and picking your 11. But the reality is you win international tournaments by playing quite containment style boring football even if you look at France who had one of the most exciting squads that you can think of in World Cup 2018 and that is going to be more so after a season like this so those slow and steady players obviously it's not what the Premier League does best I I think are actually quite important and Gareth Southgate who's been criticised for his circumspection going back a little bit he's got totally the right idea if you're aiming to win a tournament mm. that's what you need to what do you're, what you're trying to say Andy is that Jim's on like the 7% lager and you're on the 0% alcohol free <laughs> I'm having half a glass and, of yeah. wine and I brought the car keys with me <laughs> and I haven't eaten <laughs> perfect perfect combination um, a little a little bit annoyed about James Madison not making the squad I I'm, feel a bit sorry for him because I, I think do he's feel been so him, good yeah. and he's actually been to me in a fairly similar situation as Jack Grealish. Yes, Jack Grealish is probably a better player overall and more what England need and I think it would probably be more important to the England team right now than James Madison. But in terms of they, they had their injuries roughly at the same time, they've both come back roughly at the same time. So I just yeah. feel a bit sorry for him that he's missed out really. Yeah, I'm not surprised though. No, because, me either. I mean, he he just doesn't fit Southgate's style, does he? And I don't think that's I don't think it's personal. Mm. Um because they I can't just... imagine if it was personal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, I don't really know where that came from. I don't think Southgate <laughs> just thinks he's a dick. Um, but I mean, 
It's interesting to me that he's never even con- seemed to consider the idea of setting up a team in a style that might suit having a player like Madison in there because Madison is so good. But then I guess these are the constraints of international football, right? You mm. you, you get so little time that you you don't want to necessarily completely restructure your tactics just for the sake of potentially changing it for 10 minutes in a game later on. He's so good, but is he good enough to build a team around? I, I, I think maybe he's in that sort of nether mm. place, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Still young though, still time to get in that squad for possibly the next tournament or the one after. Um, in terms of strikers, um, oh, talking about feeling sorry for people, I do feel sorry for Patrick Bamford because... Yeah. Oh God, he... I was expecting Danny Welbeck. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> That guy Welbs. <laughs> no, I do, I do, I do feel sorry for Patrick Bamford because not a tournament without Welbs. <laughs> because he got seventeen goals this season, seven assists. That's actually more than Ollie Watkins and more than Dominic Calvert Lewin, and he's not made the squad. Um, and we've we've heard him in his interviews. He's been so frank and so honest in his post match yeah. interviews, saying, you know. Obviously, I wouldn't ever expect to get into the England squad, but I would love it if I did. And I've just got to keep working hard and hope that that call happens. And it hasn't. And oh, I just would have loved to. I, I, it just would have meant so much to him, wouldn't it? And I know it means everything to, to the others as well, but he's had such a good season. And it just kind of reminds me of, I think there was, I can't remember the year it was, but Darren Bent had just come up to the, the Premier League at the time. And I think only a couple players had scored more goals than him and he mm. missed out on the England squad that year. And it kind mm. of has sort of similar feeling to that if you know what I mean I, I I think it's fair enough not to pick him yeah. he, he has had a good season but he's had a good season that is out of context with the rest of his career he's not been is it a fluke he's, he's not, he's a not, season well we don't know we don't know we'll find out next season I suppose mm. um, and as, as well if really it's all about backing up Harry Kane isn't it yeah and is he the style of player who can do that I can totally see. I know people have had their doubts over um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's form over the over the last little while, but you know what? He's done it for England before. He's already used to the squad. I think if you're talking about playing to the strengths of the squad and bringing the likes of Foden, Sterling, Sancho, all those other players into play, that Calvert-Lewin can play that role a lot better. You don't know what you're getting with. Bamford at international. I think it'd just be it'd just be taking a flyer. It would be a nice story, but I don't think it would be a wise pick. I, I think. God, I think I'm, it's fair I'm such a romantic, aren't I? I just want the I want the nice sentimental pick. Yeah, no, I know what you mean though, <laughs> because I think yeah, if you were to pick pick entirely on form, there's a, there's an argument for Bamford, but I think it might have just might the timing might be a bit wrong as well because he because as you say, Calvert Lewin has, has has had that experience within the squad and he's he's done it for England. I think you can't overlook how important it is to have players who have been involved in the setup to know what it's like to know that squad to kind of have you know heard Southgate's instructions and and had those training sessions because you don't have to get Dominic Calvert-Lewin up to speed you know what I mean he's part of that group already you do have to do that with Patrick Bamford if you pick him and there's basically no time to do that so mm. i think it's just yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate for Bamford. I think he has a lot to bring, and I think because it, it is the backup for Kane position. You're absolutely right, and I think he could bring something to that. But so can Dominic Calvert Lewin. I don't think there's a, there's much between them. Um, a quick word on Sancho, Andy, just because um, a lot of people may not watch him week in week out like you do. Is there any chance he misses out on the 26? No way. Uh, I think the the front three for the eleven picks itself. Um, as I said on the Patreon last night, it's. Kane, Foden, Sancho. I think it has to be. The only 
player who you could possibly argue is playing better in 2021 in this England squad is Mason Mount. Um, all right, well, we'll find out who makes that 26 for Gareth Southgate uh, next Tuesday on June the 1st. He's going to be making his full squad announcement for the Euros. Uh, right, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to get to some of your emails. We're going to go through some of our pre-season predictions. Oh, God. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Sergio Aguero and his legacy. Ali, I know it's half time in the tie, but that's an incredible advantage. Do you feel like the job is done? No, I uh, don't feel it, the job is done, but it was a good job done. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's so oh, awkward. Brilliant. That is too awkward. Um, we're going to talk a bit more about Manchester United and, of course, the Europa League final against Villarreal a little bit later. That is on tonight. But first, it's time for this. Thank you, Melody Evans, for one of those jingles. Uh, get them into us if you want to send any more in. Show at footballramble.com or tweet us at footballramblegym. Yep. Not football ramble, Jim. Just yeah. football ramble. <laughs> Over to you, Jim. Yeah. So we've had a we've had an email from someone called Drew Drew De Rosier. I think that's what right. Name. What a name indeed. Um, mm. Drew says, and I promise this isn't, this isn't me secretly writing in. He says, I've had a few days to think about this, and I really think more needs to be made of how bad Spurs' season was. <laughs> Harry Kane was a top goal scorer and top assister, and in his recent interview with Gary Neville, so Alex Ferguson's first three players listed when asked which modern footballer he'd want to coach were Kane, Ali and Son. The greatest manager of all time looks at your squad and says, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. And the best you can do is get into the European Conference League group thing. Shame. It'll all be fine, though, when new manager Roberto Martinez replaces Kane with 37-year-old Aruna Kone. <laughs> um, yeah, because obviously Spurs have been linked with Roberto Martinez, which mm. would be odd. Do you think it would be odd? Uh, surely it's Nuno, isn't it? That's the, that's the main reason I think it would be odd. Mm. I, could, I could see Roberto Martinez going there. Yeah. I can interesting. Well. Mm. I can. I've worked with him quite a bit this season. He is a fascinating man. He is so he is incre- he's incredible to work with. One of the best pundits I've worked with. He knows everything about every player. He watches every single game of football. The st- some of the stuff that he's like he was telling me about players is stuff that you just don't hear other pundits talk about. It seems weird to even call him a pundit because I just see him as the Belgian manager. Mm, yeah. Um but he is he's fascinating. You can you can sit in a room with him and just have the most inc- incredible conversations. It is amazing though, isn't it? When you consider like a lot of coaches are, are really not good pundits mm. because it's, it's plainly obvious, obviously not in his case because he's current head coach, but you know that they're sitting there marking time between jobs. More importantly, I think he'd look excellent in the Tottenham training kit. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that purple business always looked weird on Mourinho. Mm. Yeah. Well. Maybe I mean, we'll if, there, if, if there wasn't enough like reasons it. to feel weird about it when he, when <laughs> yeah, he arrived exactly, there. exactly, exactly. Um, we've got one from uh, Dan Turbot here. Long-time listener, first-time emailer, as I finally have something to write in about. Pretty big shout, but I'd love to hear of another listener who's made better predictions than the below. Winner, Man City. Liverpool fell away at the end of last season, so I thought there would only be one winner. Correct. Relegated teams, 
Fulham, West Brom and Brighton. Two I mean, out of three is this bad. Is shit at, this is shit, Dan. Does, I'm not does, having it. Bad attitude, he does, he does say it? sorry, Jules. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Dark horse leads, slightly controversial, but I think it's still a tick. Um, first manager to be sacked, Dean Smith. Okay, just skip this one. <laughs> a top scorer, Harry Kane. Mm. Most red cards, Lewis Dunk. This has got to be one of the best calls I've ever made. Does he have a thing against Brighton? Play, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that's clear. Mm. Uh, Player of the season, Bruno Fernandes, though, will probably be Ruben Dias. Mm-hmm. Uh, notable mad shit, fan protest on the pitch at West Ham. Ignore the last three words <laughs> and it actually happened. <laughs> to be fair, that it's is pretty, uh, quite incredible. Pretty and he, great. He did send a screenshot in as well. He did. From yeah. September with those on. So we can prove that that is indeed correct. And those were Dan's actual pre-season predictions. Yeah. I mean, quite, pretty great. quite impressive. It is. You got it wrong on Brighton. But other than that... And is it pre-season if you made it in September? Yeah, it's pre-season enough. Well, yeah, I suppose post-transfer window, is that fair? Yeah, Yeah. although I did mine way before that. And that's why mine are so terrible. (laughs) Should we hear your prediction? You set that up perfectly. (laughs) I can see Jim smiling as he's looking at them. That's why. I had to experience the shame of this the other day, so (laughs) why not? So um, I've got Andy and Jules' predictions here. So we'll go through it. Category by category. So for the Premier League winner, um, go go Andy first because that's the order I've got it in front of me. Andy, you went for Man City. So oh, did I? You did. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I mean, you seem surprised by that. Yeah. Did yeah. You don't remember you now that? No, no, I don't remember any of these picks. I remember one of the relegation picks that I made was definitely wrong, but that's the only prediction I remember making. Mm. Okay. Well, Jules, you went for Liverpool. Yeah. It's what I also went for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we weren't to know that half the team would exactly. be unavailable for exactly. most of the season. <laughs> um, relegated teams, Andy, you've gone for Aston Villa. Yeah, that was the oh. one. That yeah, was the one. Did not quite work out. Fulham yeah. and West Brom. So, okay. obviously, two those guys are absolute toast. So that's pretty good. Two out of three. Jules, for the relegated teams, you went for Aston Villa, Fulham and West Brom. Okay, so, two out of nice. three. Two out yeah. Three. I, you know what? I think a lot of people prior to the season beginning would have put Villa in there because it was before they made their signings, before they tied Jack Grealish down. I thought Jack Grealish would leave. I didn't think they'd sign Ollie Watkins. I didn't think they'd no. get a decent striker. And Ross Barkley made a massive difference to the yeah. start of their season. So screw you. Mine were before <laughs> the season began. If I'd done it after the transfer window closed, I wouldn't have put Villa in it. You see, this is what it's about. Accepting one's mistakes with grace. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Everyone knows I'm a sore loser. <laughs> so first manager to be sacked. Andy, you went for Dean Smith, as did I. Yeah. He oh, was. He is still in the job. Uh, Jules, you went for David Moyes, one of the contenders for <laughs> manager of the season, the ferryman. Yes, I did. I just, I don't, I just, well, the way they ended last season, yeah. I could not see this season coming at all. It was one of the biggest surprises. Anyone who predicted a good Moyes season or a good West Ham season is either a blind optimist or a liar. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It is, it is <laughs> an amazing achievement. It's a hell of a job. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. A hell of a job. It's yeah. brilliant. And I well actually done. thought I put Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Right. So that actually surprised me that I put him. Well, that I reckon also it was between the two would have been very wrong. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, this is so long ago. I know. The, these yeah. predictions feel as if they were done by a different person. Yeah. It's more exciting listening to them than I thought it would be. So who do, I was, who I was also, I can't remember any of them. I was quite ill when I did mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just completely delirious. It literally was a different person. <laughs> yeah. 
So for top scorer, Andy, any rem- any memory of who you went for or whoever, you know, the bloke from the past who, uh, who, uh, who picks for you? I, I, I think that man, capital T, capital M, probably went for uh, capital T, capital W. He went for Timo Werner. That's yeah. right. And Jules, you went for Timo Werner. Yeah, I did. Uh, a few of us did yeah, yesterday yeah. as well. Loads and of people have gone, loads of us have gone for Timo Werner. Because we all thought he was going to be sort of the cold dead-eyed Terminator they looked like he would be from the Bundesliga. What and it I hasn't meant quite happened. was that he'd get a lot of assists, which he did. Right. <laughs> Goal involvements. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I think it's cool. I, I argued yesterday that if you put the, the offside goals, he probably got about 40. Yeah. 100%, 100%. You know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling responsible. Have I convinced you all that Timo Werner would be amazing in the yeah. Premier League? Yeah, yeah maybe. I think you, you might have done. He, he mugged I us all off. He was Insidious in, bias. He was in my very first fantasy team of the season as well. Quickly got removed. Yeah, you see, <laughs> I made no changes to my fantasy team throughout the season, but I did find time to ditch Timo Werner. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So most red cards, um, Andy, you went for a Kagla Sionchu. It was obviously Lewis Dunk that uh, got them. Uh, Jules, you went for Alexander Mitrovic, and I can I can see why that might have been a if he'd have played enough. If he played, yeah, more yeah. he'd have been sent off. Scott Parker's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Player of the season, Andy went for Hammers Rodriguez. Um, yeah, so we, I don't, we're not quite yeah. sure on who that's settled on, but I don't think it's going to be Rodriguez. And you. Um, <laughs> You, Jules, went for Sadio Mane. There's a little note here that says, recently described this as the worst season of his career and requested a medical examination to check nothing was wrong with him because he was so concerned by his form. So that one's not quite worked out, has it? I'm really surprised I put Sadio Mane. I don't remember that. It's it's difficult with that stage of the season, though, isn't it? Well, I think, as well, I was probably looking up at who I picked to win the league and thought Liverpool, and thought, who's going to have a good season yeah. for Liverpool? It's Mane's turn. Uh, I mean, he ended yeah. the season well. Final game against Palace. Got a couple of goals. Yeah, Better late than ever. Yeah. <laughs> Still doesn't count. So, no. n- notable mad shit. Uh, Andy, you went for Marcelo Bielsa moving away from sitting on the club-branded bucket to sit on a cool box in order to arrest an alarming slump in form, thereby causing a rift with the club's commercial department and prompting his resignation. It didn't quite pan out that way. Could have um, happened. Did he change to a cool box at one point? Well, it, it could it, have happened. He had a cool box before when he was at Marseille because, of course, there was that famous moment when, in front of a full stad velodrome, his very diligent assistant bought him an espresso, popped it on the <laughs> top of the cool box, and he sat on it. No. So he, he burnt his ass That's in front of 60,000 people. Oh, no one wants that. You don't want a burnt, wet ass, do you? No. Um, so, yeah, for the notable matchup of the season, Jules, you went for Mitrovic getting the most red cards in a season ever, which, again... <laughs> God, I really hate Fulham, don't I? <laughs> I didn't realise. Yeah, but you must have identified them as a rival that you needed to bury yeah, at the time. Yeah, clearly. Wow, that is, that's quite amusing. Yeah, Love so that. there we go. Those are uh, Andy and Jules' predictions from the start of the season. We were very wrong. It's probably a good time. We were time all very wrong, as... apart from Dan Turbot. Yeah, it's probably a good time for me to bring up the fact that when we redid our predictions for BT Sport in January, um, someone screen grabbed my redone predictions halfway through the season, posted them on Twitter thinking that they were my pre-season predictions, where basically everything was spot on. And uh, everyone was commenting like, Jules Breach knows our onions. I was like, yeah, yeah, I fucking do. Yeah, I do. I'm not going to correct anyone on that. Uh, oh, love Fraud. it. Those are <laughs> hey, one more season, Mitrovic in the Premier League. He'll get the most red cards. Yeah. Just let it happen, all right? Yeah, it's bound to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, let's talk a little bit about Sergio Aguero. Um, obviously, it was his last Premier League game for Manchester City on Sunday. And 
He capped it off by coming on as a substitute and scoring a couple of goals. He's just been an absolutely sensational player in the Premier League era. And it's it almost feels it feels strange that we're potentially saying goodbye. We obviously still don't know 100% where he's going to end up. Looks like it's Barcelona. But if he, he could still go to another Premier League club. But if this is the end of his Premier League career then I feel like it's a good time to talk about what legacy he leaves behind. Because right now, the last couple of seasons for him haven't been the best because he's been plagued with a few injuries. But his numbers are incredible. And he is a player that I think we are going to be talking about forevermore in terms of his greatness in the Premier League. 247 goals in 347 appearances for Manchester City. 184 of those were in the Premier League, making him the record goal scorer for a single club that has got to be what he ends up being remembered for Andy yeah it's incredible and I think it's easy to boil it down all to the goal in 2012 I mean that was even the the time was even on the little thing they presented to him mm-hmm. what, what wasn't it and Aguero exactly it is the most iconic Premier League I, I obviously it's been shown quite a few times recently since um, his departure has been announced and Every time it gets me. It's amazing. And I'm not a Manchester City supporter. I'm Manchester City agnostic, I suppose. <laughs> and, you know, it, every time it's incredible. It, it is. is is absolutely unbelievable. But, of course, there's so much more to him than that. And I think what's interesting is the fact that, despite the fact that Manchester City have been so well-backed over the last 10 years, for at least the first half of that spell, they had to wrap him in cotton wool because he mm. totally carried them. I, I think with Aguero, he he's sort of emblematic of City's rise to become a super club and to become, you know, a, a part of the top six or whatever, whatever you want to call it because well, he's an icon for them, isn't he? And I mean, players come into the club now, they're looking at club greats that have come before them and it is Sergio Aguero, it's David Silva, it's Yaya Toure. It's not like Georgia Samaras and, and Richard Dunn and like, you know, with mm. respect to those players, those players that have come before. And I think he's he's probably the best of that bunch, really, when you you look at the, the, the impact his, his, his goals and his contributions have. I suppose you could make the same argument for David Silva quite easily as well. But still, it, I mean, he has just been so important to them sustaining their quality just like you know 20 20 plus league goals five seasons in a row i mean that is that consistency jim is what he will be so remembered rare. for it's so rare isn't it to get a player like that who is so frightening for other teams you see him on the team sheet and you just think oh god he's going to score today yeah. it's one of the, he's one of those players who has the ability to turn it on and score out of nothing and yeah. he's one of those players as well who there aren't many strikers, even prolific strikers, who will get double figures every single season, which is incredible enough in the Premier League as it is. He has the ability to, in a single game, you can, on any given day, say he could score a hat-trick for five goals. I remember there was a Newcastle game a few seasons ago, it might have been like 2016, he scored five goals in one game like he is that sort of player who has the ability to do that and it's just incredible to watch because he's yeah. so ruthless but I, th- I think you're right in terms of um the consistency Jules because conditions inevitably change in any league but especially over the Premier League and especially with the, the physical demands on a player as they age T- take another former athletic striker take Fernando Torres. Fernando Torres at his best for Liverpool 
Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unbelievable. But I remember him saying, like, when he was, like, just before his move to Chelsea, actually, which almost sort of preempting his failure, said, I don't know what to do for my next move because the Premier League has made me into a better player than I ever was before, but it's actually killing me physically. Mm. And so I, and that, that turned out to be right. It did take a really bad physical toll on him. Whereas Aguero has coped with a lot of muscle injuries and just plowed through them. Mm. And he's had to play in a very different way because as we said, he was so important to Manchester City for especially those first four or five years. And I think you notice, particularly under Manuel Pellegrini, he stopped actually doing a lot of what made him so great because at Atletico, it wasn't that he just scored the goals. The runs that he did um, down the channels, when he picked the ball up 30, 40 yards from goal and could make stuff happen, it was clear that, especially under Pellegrini, the sense was, we can't afford you to get injured. So, maybe don't do so much other stuff. They took a lot of the physical load off him. And obviously that was a problem when Pep Guardiola arrived because Guardiola was, why don't you do the other stuff apart from scoring goals? Funnily enough, it's what Radamel Falcao got when he arrived at Atletico, where the staff weren't really that convinced of him because Sergio Aguero was such an all-round player. They were like, well, this guy just scores goals. Like, what mm-hmm. else does he do? And that forced Falcao to, to do more other stuff. But so I think in his latter years, at Manchester City, Aguero, because he's prompted to by Guardiola, starts to find that old bit of his game, starts to do more all round, reassimilates himself back into the squad after the point when you think Gabriel Jesus is replacing him and he's totally getting phased out. And the reason that Jesus hasn't replaced him, people look at it as a fault of Jesus. I think a lot of it is just how good Aguero is. Yeah, yeah. you know, really good you, point. you can't be dislodged. I still get the feeling he's actually a little bit underrated. Like he's one Agreed. of the best players the Premier League has ever seen. One of the best players the Premier League will ever seen. Will ever seen. Will ever see. <laughs> and I, I feel like possibly it's part of a little bit of sniffiness towards Man City's rise. I, I completely from, agree. From the t- you yeah. know from he is emblematic of that time as we said when they sort of rose up to be a, a dominant force. And I, I mean I remember you know supporting a club who were going to suffer at the hands of that, and it was just really like oh god this is happening again. There's going to be another Chelsea. You feel really resistant to it. Really like you want them to fail. And I think perhaps Aguero's legacy will not be tainted by that at all. But that is perhaps why he's maybe not lionised in the way that some sort of previous greats have been during his career. But I think, you know, retrospectively, nobody can deny what an, what an incredible player he is. Totally. He also changed the way that Manchester City were thought of. Maybe, you know, as you say, there's a bit of sniffiness to them and there's still a bit of sniffiness to them um, domestically. But if you're talking about how players internationally look at them, if Aguero doesn't stay it's more difficult to attract other players, but he's this sort of beacon that Mm. makes them attractive. On that whole sort of changing um, the way people look at Man City as well, having really nice players sort of helps with that. And Aguero is, from what friends of mine who have interviewed him have said, he is just the nicest guy. He's so humble with it as well, with everything that he's achieved. He's been quite open about the fact he didn't want to leave Man City. He actually wanted to retire in England. One of my friends interviewed him last week just before the final game on Sunday and they had a little bit of a joke. She interviewed him in Spanish so there was no language barrier there at all but they they sort of had a little bit of a giggle about 
oh, you know, what will it feel like when you come back to the Etihad? And he actually joked and said, oh, I hope they remember me. And she said, oh, all you have to do is get out that goal. All you have to do is get out that goal and show it to them. And he said, oh, me, that goal, like that's me. And like, just, I just think that that is just so lovely and refreshing to hear. And he just seems like just such an all round good guy as well as just a phenomenal player and wherever he ends up finishing his career I mean they will be lucky to have him it looks as though it's going to be Barcelona Andy do you think that'll be confirmed soon yeah and um, I'm not sure it's a great move for either of them to be perfectly honest because bear in mind that they binned Luis Suarez not because he wasn't quality anymore as he's proven this season but because of his physical limitations they're now signing another player Mm. of similarly amazing talent but who injuries have kind of caught up with. But, you know, Barcelona is skin. I mean, yeah. it's just about a load of freeze from, from now on. I, for one, can't wait for the partnership between him and Memphis. <laughs> oh, it's going to be magnificent. <laughs> but does it not uh, also help them keep hold of Messi? It's like, oh, come on, we've got yeah. one of your mates. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's never gone wrong before, like letting your star player be the general manager. (laughs) It'll be fine. Let's um, let's stay in Spain, guys, because the big news on Monday was that Luis Enrique left Sergio Ramos out of his Euro 2020 Spain squad. That is, I mean, that for me was huge news, but I'm such a Sergio Ramos fan, as many people will know who listen to Football Hmm. Ramble. Um, But it does mean that Brighton actually have more players in the Spain squad than Real Madrid do. (laughs) So we are better than Real Madrid. That's because our goalkeeper, Robert Sanchez, is third choice goalkeeper. Yes, I don't care if he's third choice. He probably won't get a minute, but he's still in the squad. He is still in the squad. We're still better than Real Madrid right now. The fascinating (laughs) thing for me is that Enrique has has only picked 24 players when he could have 26. So he he could could have have taken Ramos so easily. He's done it on purpose, hasn't he? Well, he, he did say, which I thought was fairly reasonable logic, that he wants all the players to feel like they could get a game. Right. And he feels that that's maybe not the case when it's 26. When you, when you feel, think of him at Barcelona, and it's kind of a hangover from the Pep Guardiola time, the idea is that you roll with a smaller squad where yeah. everyone's implicated. Having said that, Luis Enrique is quite a sort of confrontational chap, yeah. which is something that I, I really like about him. But, you know, when he came out and talked about... A shit-stirrer, about, basically. You, 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 could, you, could, you could say that. <laughs> not, always, not always deliberately. But um, when, when, he, when he came out and talked about it, he's like, yeah, I spoke to, I spoke to Sergio and, um, you know, uh, I knew there'd be a big fuss about it whether I picked him or whether I didn't. And I didn't. So there, there you go. And interestingly, Sergio Ramos's reaction to that, where we could have really thrown him under the bus said, yeah, I'm physically not ready for it. Although he has proved for Real Madrid. I mean, he's a bloody good cheerleader. If I didn't get picked, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not fit. So that's why he's not picked me. Absolutely. (laughs) I'd I'd cut off the manager, wouldn't you? (laughs) I'm sure he's absolutely delighted for Emmerich Laporte as well. He's only just become Spanish. (laughs) 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 You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, God. God, fuck off, mate. Like for like, really. Piss off. You didn't make the French squad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, but it does seem really short-sighted to me to not take the 26 because the whole point is like players are very, very susceptible to muscle injuries and, and, and fatigue and, and various things given how much football has been played over this short period of time. Like, is, isn't that seasons. another argument for not picking Sergio Ramos because he's got more muscle well, than anyone else yeah, so he's got I mean, more muscles to get injured? But it's another <laughs> argument for not like just leaving two players out of your squad no. like full stop, isn't it? I mean, after the River Plate story last week, you got to fill up this <laughs> yeah, one. Exactly. On. He could be in goal. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 think, I think he'd be really good in goal. I think he would. Yeah, Commanding. 
hey, Robert Sanchez needs that spot. We need to be better than Real Madrid, remember? (laughs) Um, All right, let's um, talk a bit about the Europa League final. Um, You know, all season, I've been moaning about how there's too much football on and Mm -hmm. like, oh God, let's just have a night off, please. Um, I'm now really bored. It's been two days and and I haven't watched (laughs) any football. It's been a long two days, It's been a really long two days and I am actually so excited for tonight's game. Um, So yeah, Villarreal, Man United in the Europa League final. Villarreal are going to be so tough for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been uh, making me chuckle over the last few days uh, in the lead up to the final. He said, I've played football manager and championship manager over the years and I've always been Man United. And now look at me. Here I am in a final with them. <laughs> why adorable. would you say that? What, what an interesting sweet. line. Like, why would you say that heading into the biggest match of your career as Man United yeah. manager so far? That just It's quite amusing though. Yeah. I mean, it, it's quite sweet, isn't it? It gives you the impression that actually he's a little bit of a football nerd. Properly, um, which is cute. you know not surprising really, but um, he, I mean, he said he was very, very good at it. He's like, I'm actually would pretty be. good at it, and like, so. talks up the game as like being a quite useful tool to teach you how to manage. It's like, I think, I don't, I think you're just good at both things separately, there, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness me. Um, what kind of a threat will Unai Emery's Villarreal be tonight then, Andy? Well, They've Unai, been very good, haven't if, they? If I can imagine Solskjaer playing football manager, I can imagine Unai Emery inventing the game. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's that kind of guy. Look, I've, I was saying before the semi, I've, I feel I would feel really pleased with him, uh, for him, because um, the way he was treated, especially when it started going wrong towards the end at Arsenal, was 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 not nice and he was always really decent about it i thought mm. um they they've they've been pretty good this season they've tailed off a little bit towards the end and i think when you look at when when his severe in the last of their three europa league wins beat liverpool in 2016 i mean they totally chucked it in at the end of last season at the end of that season in la liga so i don't think you should make a correlation between the league form and what threat they'll pose Manchester United. Um, uh, the other thing is they've been better in those games than the results have actually suggested. They were pretty good against Real Madrid at the weekend as well. They've so much experience in that team. Yeah, and I, th- I think that really counts for something. So you can say that, you know, Villarreal haven't been here before in terms of like a European final, but they have got a lot of quality. And as well, the fact that Gerard Moreno, their best player, and really one of the best players in Europe this season has come back to his best in the last three or four weeks is is super important. I think it'll be quite close. Yeah, and Unai Emery has previous of winning the competition. He knows how to do it and that will always be a concern for the opposition. And what I love as well is that Fergie's travelled with the Man United team. So that'll be a big boost for the, the squad as well, I think, heading into that one, having the most successful manager at Manchester United being there as well to cheer you on. I want to yeah, see him or... in formal shoes, not those pundit trainers, though. <laughs> is it not a bit like being an Elvis per- impersonator where an actual Elvis is watching you for Solskjaer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Because he's had it before, isn't he? He's probably used to it by now. I wonder whether Fergie will do a bit of a team talk. All oh, right, I thought you were going to say... Imagine I, that I, if I, he gave... I, he, I he can't do that, can he? He can't give up the, give up the team talk to his old boss. <gasps> if anyone's going to. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. I thought you were going to ask with the Elvis theme. I wonder if uh, Sir Alex will turn up in a sort of black leather suit. <laughs> oh, gosh. I cannot picture that. Well, it's not as hot as most maize. If ever you're yeah. going to get away True. with it, it's, it's to be probably fair, now. The Villarreal it? players wouldn't be talking about anything oh, else, God. would they? It's like, is that... <laughs> What's going on over there? 
What are they doing? Oh, well, it could be the first major trophy that Man United win since their last Europa League trophy. Uh, that was four years ago with Jose Mourinho. So yeah. they need it, don't they, Jim? Well, I, the Cups are really all about ego, aren't they? So <laughs> I don't know if they do. <laughs> All right, that is all from us today. If you enjoyed the show, head over to Apple Pods or wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a review. It helps the show and helps people find us uh, and helps new listeners uh, get involved in some of this ramble goodness. Um, right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Kate, Andy and... Oh, Andy and Jim, you're both back tomorrow. Look yep. at that. I'm just going to be swapping seats with Kate. So enjoy that. She might be in wearing her new Spurs shirt. She probably will. She's been living in it the last couple of days. <laughs> uh, and don't forget that if you want to check out any of that extra special England stuff that Andy was talking about earlier on the Patreon, just head over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash football ramble. See you soon, guys. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network.